0: ultimate in social influencers you know you ever watch a, a game show or a music show and they're asking people so where do you work what's your what's your career and you know lately I don't know if you've noticed this or not on some of those shows they've said that the people have said well I'm a social influencer that's their job I guess evidently and I, I don't know what that j- their job entails except that you know I've heard of some of these people that uh, they will get a, a YouTube site or a Facebook site, and they'll get people with likes on them. And uh, I guess if they build up so many likes, they can go viral, and then they get money off. The, I don't know how that works, <laughs> advertising. Okay. But you know, that's their job. But do you know that as the church, we have been called to be social influencers. I don't know if you realize that or not. Let me read to you, and I, I hope that you're able to get that up on the screen. Boy, it's awful small, but that, uh, I, hopefully you can read it. Uh, it's This is a footnote from 1 Thessalonians in the Passion Translation. It says, In the Greek culture, the ecclesia were members of society who were given the duties of legislating on behalf of a city. Similar to a city council. They were both called out and called together to function as those who have the responsibilities of shaping societal norms and the morality of the culture. That's what, before Christianity came into being, that's what the Greeks said. They had a council within the community that would be called to do that, and they were called the Ecclesia. When Christ came and then the church was born, we became the ecclesia. We became the ones who were called out. What have we been called out from? The world. What have we been called away from? Our sin, right? We've been called out to freedom in Christ. We've been called out to be called together also. We've been gathered together as believers, all different shapes and sizes and backgrounds. We're all different, but we are, have one thing in common, and that is Jesus Christ. And he is the one that makes us who we need to be and will help us to be the influencers in our society wherever we go. Wherever you go, well, there you are. <laughs> wherever you go, you're there for a reason. You know, you, know, you know, as Christians, we get up in the morning and, and maybe you pray this prayer or maybe you just prayed it on Sunday and, and you're waiting until Wednesday night to pray it again, but, but uh, you pray this prayer, Lord, guide, direct my life. Order my steps today. You know, help me to be what you want me to be. And then things happen in your life. Maybe difficulties happen in your life. Maybe good things happen in your life. You know, Maybe, maybe uh, you're confronted with some issue at work or in your neighborhood or in your family. What, whatever it is, you know, don't feel like you need to be surprised by what happened. Because in Christ, as we commit our lives to Him, He directs us. He orders our way. He orders our steps. He helps us to understand what he is doing in our lives. When we become a Christian, we're not altogether perfect right then. Oh, well, if the rapture were to take place or if we were to be in an accident or have a a health problem and we were to die and go to heaven, you know, uh, we would still go to heaven. But we're not perfect. We're on a journey of perfection. We're on a journey toward reaching our goal. Paul said in Philippians, he said, not as though I'd already reached my mark, but I press forward toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I have more to achieve. And if the Apostle Paul could say that, then surely we could say it. I mean, the Apostle Paul, after all, wrote half of the New Testament and founded many churches. Uh, If he could say that he needed to grow more, certainly I could say that and you could say it as well. So we're all growing toward perfection, and along this line, there are are situations in our life, places in which we have been put, where we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to be something. And I want to turn back to the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and the first verse I want to read is in chapter 5 of Matthew. Verse 13, it says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You ever put salt in your coffee? I do because it takes out the bitterness. Just a little bit of salt. You put salt on cucumbers, don't you? Yeah. You put salt on tomatoes. You know what's it do? It brings out the flavor of that. You put salt on a good steak, you know, when you eat that. You know that it adds flavor. It adds flavor. So here are the properties of salt. They, it gives flavor, but it also preserves. Now we don't we don't do too much of this. Maybe maybe there are some people that do canning here. Anybody do canning? Oh, Sister Virginia does. So you know you could talk to her about that after a while. But, but th- it's a big job to be doing canning. You know, I've, I used to watch my mother and grandmother do that. But part of what they do with canning is add salt because it preserves what they're cooking, what they're, what they're, see, what they're sealing up, what they're saving. Also, salt can be put in water and gargled for a sore throat. Used to do that all, all the time. I'd say go to mother and I'd say I have a sore throat. Okay, let's get the salt and let's get some warm water. Let's mix it up together and let you don't swallow it. <laughs> spit it out, you know. But gargle it, and it does help. There's a soothing method there that happens, a soothing that happens on our throat, and it's a, like a healing that comes about. So, given those principles of salt, I want to look scripturally and see what. What we can find about salt and, and what it does. So I ask the question, if we are salt, are we giving a righteous flavor to those that are around us? if we are salt? And I, I turned to uh, and I've got the wrong scripture tabbed. Where did that scripture go? down there, and I didn't tab that one. I'm just talking to myself, it's okay. All right, Acts chapter 6, verses 8, 10, and 15. And it says this, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Do you think that tasted good? I'm sure it did. When people saw those signs and wonders, they said, Man, I like that. I want to see that. I want more of that. Because, especially if they were the recipients of a miracle... They said, man, let me go get mama or let me go get sis or brother. They need something touching their life, too. Let me go and get them. So he did great signs and wonders. And then verse 10, it says this. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So that power of the Holy Spirit that came through him in the preaching of the word was a mighty power that gave salt to them that... Would be very tasty. They said, "Man, I just I just can't get enough of that. I just cannot get enough of that that teaching or that ministry of Stephen. And Stephen wasn't really a, a, a an apostle; he was a deacon, but yet God used him. So, you know, don't think that you have to be a great apostle for God to use you. You don't. You know, you have to be a person that's willing and and ready to be used of God. I think it was Billy Graham once that said. It has yet to be seen what can be done with a person who is completely committed to God. Let me repeat that. It has yet to be seen what can be done with a person who is completely committed to God. And, you know, that's something for us to put on that back burner and think about that. If we're going to be that person or not. If we're going to be committed so that we can be salt to go out and give flavor unto the world. Verse 15 then. As Stephen was now giving his defense, and it says this, And all who sat in the council, looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. When people look at you, do they see the face of an angel? You got a little devil showing through there. You should have the face of an angel (laughs) so that you're like salt. To taste good, when people look at you, then not that they're not that they think that you should be on the glamour magazine of some kind, you know. But they see you and they say, "Man, they make me feel comfortable. They make me feel loved. They make me feel accepted. I love that, and I just love to look at them. I love to meet them because they got such a good flavor about them when I meet them, and that's great. Praise the Lord." Then, going on with Stephen's story. Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God. Wait a minute, is this, am I in the right place? I guess I am, aren't I? Yeah, and and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In the most difficult time of Stephen's life, just like Brother Zach was leading us in tonight in that worship, in the most difficult time of... Stephen's life he was calling on the Lord and he was saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit and then in verse 60 not only that but he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice Lord do not charge them with this sin and when he had said this he fell asleep wow do you have enough grace in your heart are you salty enough in your spirit, that you could pray that prayer. Lord, don't forgive those people for what they did. Don't let don't charge them with it, Lord. Forgive them. Wow. That's a lofty goal, isn't it? But you know what Jesus did? That what did he pray on the cross? One of the seven words of the cross was: Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If Jesus could do that, as they were crucifying him on the cross after all the ugliness that they did to him surely we could do it also and pray father forgive them and as Stephen was being stoned that is what he prayed father forgive them for they know not what they do now it says in the next passage there it says that they laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul But you know what happened with that you ever heard about salt in a wound (laughs) <laughs> how it irritates a little bit and it causes you to want to wash that out and clean that out when you get salt in a wound. And, you know, that was what happened to Saul. He, when he saw Stephen and the manner in which Stephen was receptive to what happened to him and submitted unto God's will and that there was such a good flavor going out from Stephen of the love of Christ, then Saul was tormented by that in his spirit to such a degree that he, when he was struck blind on the road to Damascus, he had to give himself to Jesus because that conviction was riding upon him. That salt that was in the life of Stephen ministered unto him. Now, next question I have is this. If we are salt, are we preserving the truths and the morality of God's word. If we're salt, are we preserving the truths and the morality of God's word? You know, God's word, pretty thick book. And I hope you're reading and studying God's word. Because I can never remember all of it. In fact, there was a man once, his name was, you know, the walking Bible is what he was called he still has a tv program jack van empie i had to c- talk for a minute to figure, remember who he was he would me- he had memorized the whole bible but he said he let that go you know why he let it go because whenever somebody would ask him well you know what what's it say in john 40 john 14 7 uh, he would start at the first of the chapter of john and he would start quoting all the way through so he couldn't just pull one verse out, you know. So he had to go all the way through. He says, "Forget that." He says, "I don't need to to know the Bible like that." But that's a pretty that's a pretty knowledgeable man. But still, you know what what happens when we know the Word of God? He quickens it to us as we are talking to someone. Because the Spirit is faithful, and and about the Holy Spirit, he says the spirit Jesus said he, the spirit will remind you of the things that i have spoken unto you the spirit will remind you so that's good but how do we treat the word do we accept the word do we live by the word do we say well that word's good for somebody else but for me i'm a little different we can't do that can we that's one of the one of the complaints of some of the of the cults that the cults have a different standard for their leadership than they do for the people that are sitting in the pew. And that, that's not the way it should be. Amen. But let's go to the scripture and see what it says about the word. When they saw the boldness, this is John or Acts chapter 4 verses 13 and 14, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. <clears throat> and seeing the man that had been healed standing with them, they could, not, they could say nothing against it. When we are salt, we keep the word. But who's the word? John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's talking about Jesus. So this passage says here that these people were uneducated, untrained and that meant they were not trained in the rabbinical schools. These were people that were they known fishermen. They looked like fishermen, they smelled like fishermen, you know, they they talked like fishermen and he said They marveled at them because they had such power and such an anointing and such words of truth. But here's what they found out. They said that they had been with Jesus, and that was the key. Oh, yeah, we have ministry training. Yeah, we have classes for that, and many of you have taken classes, and that's great. But the greater thing than having ministry training is that people know that we've been with Jesus that people know that Jesus is alive and well and that we have him inside of us. And because of that, his truth, his word is alive in us. And his word tells us what we are doing, if it's right or wrong. And he leads us and guides us. And people see that in us. And they say, wow, I can recognize you. That there's something different about you. The next question I have is this. If we are salt, can those who are sick that we come in contact with receive prayer and be healed? Well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a healing evangelist. Or I'm not Pastor Kevin, so I don't know if I can pray for people or not. Yes, you can. And yes, you should. What are you going to do when you run across somebody that needs prayer? Are you going to take out your phone and call Pastor Kevin and say, hey, i got somebody that needs prayer over here. Would you come over here? (laughs) No. You're supposed to pray for them right then. Went to a yard sale a couple of weeks ago, and this lady that was sitting there, I said, how you doing? Boy, it's awful hot out here. She says, yeah, my back's are hurting me. I said, well, do you mind if I pray for you? And she says, no, not at all. And I prayed for her right then. You know, you don't, uh, you know, which is a good lesson for us. Don't just tell somebody, you know what, I'll pray for you. And then just leave and never do anything. Pray for them right then. Uh, I didn't stick around to see if if she was touched or not. I just believe she was, I I, I could sense that she was a believer. I talked to her as if she were a believer, and I you know she accepted my prayer, even though she wasn't from our church. you know and and she was from a different church, I could tell, just by the way she was dressed, but still, she's a sister in Christ. Yeah. Amen. And so she received. And so when we go, wherever we go, we need to be willing to pray for people. When Stephanie was first saved uh, down there in Homestead, I don't know if you remember this, Pastor, but but uh, she went into a Walgreens. and a, There was a kid that was special needs, and his caregiver was there with him. He was having a seizure on the floor of Walgreens. You know what? She didn't even ask if she could. She just knelt down beside him and prayed for him. And you know what he did when he he came out of that seizure? He said, thank you. And they called the ambulance, but he came out of that seizure because why? Because she knelt down there and prayed for him right there. She wasn't asking if she could. She wasn't asking permission. She just (laughs) knew what she needed to do. Well, let's look at what the scripture says. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Amen. Boy, if we were walking with God so close that even as we walked down the street, shadows our shadow fell on somebody and they were healed. The power was not in the shadow. The power was in the anointing of Jesus Christ. Amen. And like I said, we need to just be ready, whatever and wherever we are, so that we can be flowing in that healing gift. You know, and here's the thing, and we teach this in our Holy Spirit class. Remember this. We teach that nobody owns the gifts of the Spirit. Hello? Nobody owns the gifts of the Spirit. Nobody can say, well, I have the gift of this gift of the Spirit. No. The gifts of the Spirit are in in Christ and in the Holy Spirit. And the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians, He gives them severally as He wills. So that at the given time, when you're walking in Walgreens or CVS or Walmart, let me, let me see Kroger, I'm east side, I'm treating all the pharmacies. It, wherever you are and somebody is in need, you can pray for them right there. Yeah. Why? Because you're a part of the ecclesia, the called out ones. Yeah. And you have been called to be yeah. salt to bring healing unto people that are in need. Amen. Amen. And we're not going to be concerned about uh, whether you have a degree behind your name or not. (laughs) Do you know Jesus? He's the healer. Amen. And if you walk in him, you can do the healing. Amen. Well, let's go back to our Matthew passage on, on the Beatitudes. Let's see what else, as social influencers, we're supposed to be. sermon is not exhaustive, so you may think of other things, you know, now or later that you said, man, that's a, that's a thought, I, he, should, he could have said that, well, I just put down what I, I thought of, so, okay, so here we go, three things that light does, light illuminates a room, light dispels darkness, and light cannot be hidden, <laughs> Isn't that amazing about light? Wow. And when Pastor Kevin came into this room tonight, by the way, he didn't say, darkness be gone. He went back there and he turned the light switch on. Right? And when he turned the light switch on, the lights came on. Praise the Lord. So the question is this. If we are the light of the world, do we bring light does the light switch come on when we enter a room? Wow. If we're the light of the world, do we bring light where we go? And I want to turn back to the 16th chapter of Acts. Paul and Silas were in the Philippian prison. And here's what it says. There was a great earthquake. Paul and Silas were singing. they have been beaten, by the way, too. And they were in stocks. They they could not have, they could have been not very happy about their situation, right? But at midnight, they were singing praises, and as a result, there was an earthquake. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. This is the reason why. Because the Roman it was a Roman prison, and they were responsible with their life, if the prisoners escaped. And this jailer felt that if he was going to be killed, it would not be a quick death, but that they would torture him before they actually killed him because they would have considered that he was really being a bad jailer, not doing his job. And so he said, let me just get this over with quickly. He was an unbeliever. He didn't have the knowledge that we do today as Christians that committing suicide is not acceptable because that's murdering yourself. And so we commit our lives to the Lord, and we don't do that. But he didn't know that because he was not a believer yet. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light, and he ran in. Are you the light that illuminates the room? And fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved in your household. We are the light of the world. When people are in distress and in dire straits, We have the answer. We have the answer. We do not have to let people go down in flames. We have the answer. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And we can walk in with that light and say, here's the answer, it's Jesus. Do you know how to give your life to Jesus? Well, let me tell you. Does it have to be picture perfect? Does it have to be just like I would do it or Pastor would do it? No. It's basically the nuts and bolts of it are Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me. Jesus, come and live in my heart. Make me ready for heaven. That's the basis of it. Of course, if you want to be legalistic and go to Romans chapter 10. (laughs) It says that thou shalt believe on thy heart on the Lord Jesus, and confess with thy mouth that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt Amen. be saved. So if you want need to do that, that's fine too. Yeah, but do something. Do something. Do you think that Paul would have rather said, well, just a minute, Silas. We really don't want to go in there and rescue that jailer, that scoundrel. Why, he beat us. We were Romans. That's what he said later. And we were not supposed to be beaten, uncondemned, but he did it anyway. And he, then he put us in stocks and they got these flies flying around and these rats and it's nasty in this jail. Do you think we really ought to save that jailer? We just ought to let him go ahead and put the knife through his belly. Before you get too hasty on that, how do we feel? When we see people that may not be the best people in the world, so we think. What do we do? David Wilkerson, you know what compelled him to start team challenge? He was praying at Sunday night after church service. He was a pastor. And he had the newspaper, Sunday newspaper, and he saw in that Sunday newspaper. Five men who were gang members who had killed someone and God by his Holy Spirit drew him and said you've got to go and try to talk to those men and he did and from that that is what birthed Teen Challenge wow and that's a worldwide ministry today you know God wants us to see people not as our physical eyes see them But as he sees them and as what they can be, you know, even though they may be hardened, maybe they've got teardrops. You know what a teardrop stands for, tattooed on a face? It stands for somebody they've murdered. Maybe they got teardrops coming down their face, but God still loves them and Jesus still died for them. And if we're going to be the light of the world, then we've got to take the light to them and say, you're not dead yet. God can still forgive you of every sin that you've committed and every even every murder that you've committed. Take the light to people that are lost. I'm going to hurry on here. Next one, question. If we are the light of the world, do we dispel the darkness? Do we dispel the darkness? Interesting story. Paul and Barnabas went to the island of Cyprus. And there they met a fellow named Elymas. It says, Elymas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Do you dispel the darkness? Do I dispel the darkness? When we come into a room, that's what we should do. We take our stand for the light, and darkness has to bow, has to, has to go. Because the main light, Jesus Christ, is in us. Amen. And if God be for us, who can be against us, right? Amen. One final question I have for you. If we are the light of the world, does it show through our lives our words and our actions if we are the light of the world. Another way we put that in another message I preached was if you were on trial for being a Christian would there be enough evidence to convict you? Question we got to ponder, huh? Shouldn't have to ponder it too long. But if we're the light of the world does it show? Colossians gives just such a tremendous passage and You know, all of Pauline epistles are full and rich of of the things that direct our lives as Christians. And here's what it says. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, Long-suffering. sound like the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? Yeah. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against each other, uh, against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So if we're to be light, that's all a part of it. As people of light, we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But above all these things, put on love and the word for love there is that word agape which was in little use before christ came it was in some usage but christ came and he took it and brought it into a word for the church for us as christians and it means this unconditional love love that does not have any hope of return love that will love in spite of how it is treated, it will still love. That's the love that Christ had when he hung on the cross. That's the love that Stephen had, like we talked about a while ago. Love is the bond of perfection, it goes on to say. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Thank you, thank you so much. That's what we're to do. Be thankful. Always let peace be in our hearts. And when there's not peace, the Prince of Peace isn't there, right? So we got to go back to the next square one and say, Why is my peace not here? Find out why and let God's peace rule our hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, we talked about the word a little bit a while ago. You know, we have so much easier than the church that Paul was writing to had it. They didn't even have all of the Gospels written and even if they had a gospel, not everybody in the church had one, a copy of it. And all the letters of Paul and the letters of Peter and John, all of those were not there. But we have all of that so that we can read and grow in the Word of God and let that light of the world, the light of the Word, show forth in our actions, and our words, and our lives. So stand with me right now. Let's say this concluding prayer. Holy Father, we are your church. We commit ourselves to you afresh to be salt and light In this world. So help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go light it up. Go salt it up.